a pastor was preaching a sermon. He was preaching a passionate sermon against the drinking of alcohol or any sort of substance with alcohol. And so at the close of his message, he says to the congregation, he said, if I had all the beer in the world, I would take it and I would dump it into the river. The congregation shouted, Amen. He said, if I had all the wine in the world, I would take it and I would dump it into that river. The congregation shouted, Hallelujah. Well, he got more passionate. He said, if I had all the whiskey and all the rum in the world, I would take it and I would dump it in that river. The congregation cried out, praise God. Well, he ended his sermon and he sat down. And so the worship uh, leader came up and she said, congregation, please stand. And as we close, let us sing, shall we gather by the river? (laughs) Shall we gather at the river? (laughs) Well, this morning we are on part three of Jonah. And in previous messages, I went through chapters one to three of the book of Jonah. And today we'll focus on chapter four. In chapter one, God directed Jonah to go to Nineveh. But Jonah disobeyed. He boarded a ship and headed in the opposite direction. The sailors of that ship became concerned because of the great storm that was brewing. And Jonah explained that God was bringing judgment on him. And so the sailors threw him overboard and he was swallowed up by an enormous fish. In chapter 1 verse 17 it says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Then in chapters 2 and 3, we see that after God commanded the fish to vomit Jonah out three days later, Jonah finally decided he was going to obey God and he was going to go to Nineveh and fulfill the mission that God had for him. Well, Jonah preached a message of repentance and to his surprise, the sinful city decided that they were going to repent. Then the people of Nineveh, chapter 3, verse 5 says, believed in God and they called a fast and put sackcloth on from the greatest to the least of them. And that is where we left off. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Jonah chapter 4? Jonah chapter 4, and this is the final chapter in Jonah, as there are only four chapters in this small book. Jonah chapter 4, and if you have your Bibles, you can follow along, or it is on the screen in front of you. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word. Jonah chapter 4. The word of the Lord says, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. 
There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. But Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at the dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be more concerned about that great city? Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the many lessons that we can learn from the book of Jonah. And Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your truth. And may you help. May your Holy Spirit speak to us and may you help us to be obedient as we change and as we respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to be seated. So we see that Jonah had obeyed God finally. He went to the city of Nineveh. He preached a message of repentance, telling the people that if they do not change their wicked ways, that calamity would come, that they would be destroyed. And we see that the people decided to take that warning seriously, that the king and the people were fasting, were praying, were turning away from their wicked ways. Now, this was good. This was exactly what God wanted and exactly the reason that he sent Jonah. But notice this, that instead of Jonah being happy and excited that these people were turning to God, they were turning away from their sinful ways, they were starting to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, instead of him being happy, he was angry. Instead of him being excited, he was angry about this. Verse 1 says, but Jonah was greatly displeased and he became angry. What was there to be angry about? There was nothing to be angry about. There was only things to celebrate and to be excited about. But instead of Jonah being happy for the people, instead of him rejoicing with them, he was angry and he was grumpy and he was complaining, almost as if to say they do not deserve to be saved. Almost to say that they don't deserve the compassion that God is giving to them. Almost to say that they should die, that they should experience calamity, that they should experience what's coming to them because it's not fair. God shouldn't do that for them. You see, it may seem silly for him to say that, but Jonah is like many people in the world today. Even, unfortunately, some Christians Some people who just don't like to see good things happen to other people. There are some people who unfortunately would rather see people suffer, would rather see people getting what they deserve than seeing them blessed, seeing God's hand of provision upon their lives, seeing how God has saved them from the consequences of their sin. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our world who are like Jonah. 
But the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice, to be happy for them. And so today I want to remind us and tell us to be joyful with other people when good things happen to them. To be joyful and to be happy for them, genuinely happy for them when things happen to them. And you know, the reality is that sometimes it can be difficult for us to be happy for other people. When things happen to other people, it can sometimes be hard, especially when the thing that happens to them is what we're waiting for, right? Especially when the thing that they're getting, we don't think they deserve and we deserve it. You know, when people get engaged or they get married, when they just buy a house or they buy a car, when they get that job promotion or they graduate from school with a certain honor, when they get into that university or or when they receive this gift or this blessing, whatever it may be, sometimes it's difficult as human beings to be happy for someone when we ourselves are waiting and expecting it. But the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice, to not be envious, to not be jealous, because you know what? Our time is coming. Our time is coming. And one thing that I always say, and I will stand by it, is that what God has in store for us, we will get. What God has in store for us, it will come. When the time is right, it will come. When the time is right, it will happen. And we will know because we won't have to force it. We won't have to beg for it. We won't have to steal or compromise our beliefs for it. But when the time is right, it will happen. And so we can be joyful and we can be happy for other people when blessings come their way. Because we know that our time will come. And when our time comes, wouldn't you want people to be genuinely happy for you as well? Amen. Amen. And so unlike Jonah, we can learn to be happy for other people when good things happen to them, when good things come into their life, because we know that God sees our need. He sees the desires of our hearts and our time will come. And so we can be happy. Jonah, unfortunately, was upset. And he was disappointed over the fact that the people of Nineveh chose to repent and God did not destroy them. He was angry about it. He did not feel that they should be saved. He did not feel that God was being a fair. But we read that God is gracious. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. And he is abounding in love. The scripture says that he will not always treat us as our sins deserve, nor will he harbor his anger forever but as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us that is the kind of god that we serve and so just as god is gracious and compassionate is loving and forgiving we too should extend that to other people even when we don't feel they deserve it well he didn't feel that they deserved it And unfortunately, he overreacted to the situation. In verse 3 onwards, it says, Now, O Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then in verse 8, again, he says, When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. And then notice in verse 9, but God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said, I'm angry enough 
to die. Notice that three times he says, I'd rather die. Three times he says, I'm so angry that I'd rather die, that I'm not happy for them, that I won't be happy for them, and i just rather die. What Jonah was doing was overreacting. What Jonah was doing, he was being um, just someone who was not happy for other people, and he was overreacting. And, you know, we need to, as people, be careful not to overreact when you face disappointing situations. We need to be careful not to overreact when we face difficult or disappointing situations. Because guess what? There will always be difficulties that come our way. There will always be difficulties. There will always be disappointments. But how we react to them is the important part. We know that they are coming. But how we react to the situation is what counts. Jonah obviously did not react well, and he overreacted, and he exaggerated his feelings by saying that he was so angry, so disappointed that God saved them, that he rather just die. And we have to be careful that we don't fall into that trap of overreacting. Because the the point is that Jonah was not just disappointed, Jonah was not just upset, but he says that he was angry enough to die. The key word being angry. And we have to be careful because anger is a very dangerous thing. Anger is something that we need to watch and the Bible speaks about anger. We need to realize that even though we are rational people, even though we may make good choices, when you get angry enough, Sometimes we make irrational decisions that we make choices or we may say things that we don't normally say or we wouldn't mean, but in anger we do things. And we need to be careful that we don't fall into that trap. So you may be a rational person, but do you realize that maybe when you're angry or really upset, somehow everything around you seems to bother you and make you mad? Do you? Do you realize that? Every little thing can seem to make you upset. So, for example, even though you may be a rational and good person, if someone cuts you off on the road while you're driving, in that moment you may be so upset that you start saying words you didn't even know you knew. (laughs) Or start showing them signs you didn't know you knew. Well... Maybe you're a rational person, but if someone gets up in your face and starts to argue, you may punch them out. You may be a rational person, but if your boss chooses to let you go for some reason or you get fired, you may do something to spite him or spite the company. No matter what it is, we need to be careful that we do not allow our anger to control us. That we take control and not allow our anger to control us. Because here's, here's the thing, okay? And this is real talk right now. One irrational bad decision 
can lead to a lifetime of problems, can lead to a lifetime of consequences. I've seen it. Pastor Nick has seen it. Many of our other pastors have seen it with legal trouble, with fines, with records that will haunt you, with messing up families and turning them inside out. One bad decision because of anger, because of spite, because of that can ruin someone's life or can ruin a family. And we have to be careful that we don't fall into that. Because if we don't control our anger, our anger will control us. God warned the people of Nineveh to turn to him, and he wanted them to turn to him. But for whatever reason, Jonah was not happy. He wanted to die and was now even more upset because the vine that God had provided died and it withered and it died. And so now he was exposed to the scorching hot sun. In verse 10, the Lord says to him, you have been concerned about this vine. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You see, God was clearly pointing out to Jonah that the people were more important than anything else. That Jonah was only concerned about this vine that had come up, that had withered and died. But yet the people who were there, who were lost, who didn't know the Lord, he didn't care about. And in fact, he was angry because they repented of their sins. And what God was trying to help him to understand were these people are so much more important to me. Don't you see how much I love them? Don't you see how important they are to me? You see, God's not impressed by things, but he's impressed by our hearts. He's impressed by our hearts and the condition of our hearts. God does not care about the things of this world, but he cares about us. We are so precious to God. Did you know that you are precious to God? That he loves you so much that the Bible tells us that his thoughts towards us outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. That is how much God loves you. You see, we were created for no other reason but to have a relationship with God. We were created so that we could be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. So that we could experience the love that He has to give us. So that we could experience life everlasting. So that we could draw close to Him. But there are many people who don't understand that concept. God is concerned about us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, it says, Look at the birds of the air. Do they not reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you not much more valuable than they? There's a beautiful song that says, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. You see, we are so much more important to God. If God will take care of the birds of the field, if he will take care of the animals and provide food for them, how much more will he take care of us? The creation that he has made in his own image and likeness. The creation that he made to have a relationship with him. God loves us so much and he wants us to see others as valuable. He wants us to know that we are his children, but not just we as his children, but the whole world and everyone in it, God loves and wants a relationship 
with each one. He wants us to be concerned about the spiritual welfare of other people. Number three is that we need to be concerned about winning souls for Christ. Because God is concerned about each one and he wants us to be concerned about them too. When we see other people lost, God wants us to look at them through his eyes. To not write them off or say that they will never amount to anything, but to look at them as valuable. People who are loved, people who have potential to be in relationship with Christ. You see, someone like Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians, who hated Christians, he had a passion to go and seek out and to find them. But when God got hold of him, he turned his life around and he was now a winner of souls for Christ. You see, God wants us to be concerned about people. And the only thing that he cares about is their heart condition. And he wants people to find him. He tells us if we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. And he wants this world to know that there is a God who loves them. And in this world, unfortunately, in this world of darkness, there are so many people as the people in Nineveh who don't know their right hand from their left hand. There are so many people who are lost and confused. There are so many people who have these different beliefs and who have these different ideas of things because the world tells them what to believe. But Jesus says that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came so that we could have life and have it to the full. He came so that we could experience forgiveness and receive the gift of eternal life. That is why he came, not just for some, but for all. And there is always room at the cross. And he wants us not just to live our lives knowing we're on our way to heaven, but to live our lives on a mission. He tells us to go into all the world, proclaim the good news, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because he wants the whole world to know. And you see, we are part of that mission. That mission is not just for some. It's not just for pastors or evangelists. It's not just for some people, but it's for all of us. We are to go and to proclaim the good news. I asked our Bible study group on Wednesday night, I said, when was the last time you told someone about Jesus? When was the last time you shared your faith with a complete stranger or with a family member who doesn't believe in Christ? When was the last time, and I hope it was recently, but how often do we do it? Are we making it our mission? Are we praying for God to give us those divine appointments to make it possible for us to share our faith with others? Because that is our mission as Christians, not just to experience the good blessings that God has for us, but to share and to have others come with us to Christ. You see, in this life, it's so temporary, and you know that. And when our life on earth ends, we're not taking anything with us. There's nothing that's coming with us. But the only thing that can come with us are souls that are one for Christ. That is the only thing. And it's not our responsibility to save people. Understand that. It's not your responsibility to save someone. It's your responsibility to lead them to Jesus. And he will save them. He will convict them. He will take care of them. But it's our responsibility to go into this dark world and to be the light that he has called us to be. Are you taking that responsibility seriously? Because we all need to continue to go out and to ask the Lord to help us. 
You see, unlike Jonah, there are so many things that we can learn and we can do and we can change. And we need to remember to be joyful when other people, with other people when good things happen to them. Not just being selfish, not just wanting for ourselves, but being happy, genuinely happy when good things happen to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to other people. We need to be careful not to overreact when we face disappointing or difficult situations because in our anger, things can happen that will cause us a lifetime of pain and regret. And we need to be concerned about winning souls for Christ because that is what he wants. He wants a relationship with each one of us. And let me tell you, eternity is a long time. Eternity is when time will be no more and it goes on and on and on. And in this world, there are so many people who are lost. So many people every day die without knowing Jesus. Do your part, as I do mine, to go and to tell the world about a God who loves them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the lessons that we can learn from this chapter in Jonah. And we pray that, Father, you would help us that you would help us to be the people that you have called us to be, that you want us to be. We pray, Father, that you would help to change our hearts, help us to have this contentment, knowing that whatever we have, that we are blessed and that we are thankful, that when we see other people receive blessings, that we can be happy for them, knowing that our time will come, knowing that you are not finished with our story yet, but that there is so much more that you have in store for us. God, we pray that you would help us as we face difficult situations, as we encounter different issues and trials and tribulations in life. May you help us to be calm and to know that you are with us. And may you help us to deal with it in a godly way, whatever we face. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to make it our mission to go into the world and to share your good news. Help us, Lord, to be on a mission to win souls for you, to tell others about you, and for us to be excited about what you've done in our lives so that we'll want to share it with others. And so, God, we pray for our family and our friends who don't yet know you. We pray that, Father, you would come and that you would fill them, that you would come and that you would encounter them, that you would come and that you would soften their hearts so that as they hear your word that they would be like good soil to receive your your word as it's planted and to see it grow and so father we just pray and we commit each one into your hands may you have your way may your blessing be upon us and we pray father that you would use us for your honor and for your glory help us to see others through your eyes to love as you love and to forgive as you forgive in Jesus name we pray amen amen